Xi Jinping is the Chinese president. Oh, okay. So Thank you for looking somewhat like one. No, I wasn't trying to shout out to him. I meant like <laughs> that could be the title of the episode. Hello and welcome to the Downloadable Coffee Dallas show, <laughs> podcast. This is the podcast where we recap. All the uh, events happening at the and beyond, as well as look at back the topics that took over the BGOCC last week. Joining me today is Shay and Sol. And I'm your host, Rebecca. It's great to have you guys. Uh, there's a lot of content <laughs> in our Discord today. Uh, but before we get into that, let's take a look at past events. Yeah, last week we had uh, <clears throat> the Dallas Society of Play and the Student SGDA uh, joined together for a game jam at the UT Dallas campus. Yeah, did you guys have a chance to go try it out? I did not go try it out, but it sounds like you were... I was on campus for another event at the same day where the Student Animation Guild and the SGDA were also hosting a uh, panel Q&A and portfolio review event for students. Interesting. At the same day. Sweet, how'd it go? Really well. Actually, uh, and some students were coming from the game jam to attend the panels and portfolio reviews briefly and going back and forth. Uh, and the students were talking um, about their game jams, and it sounded like things were going very well. A lot of students looked very tired, gotcha. <laughs> yeah. as uh, as happens with the game jam. Yeah, it's, those can be rough. Well, especially like the the couple that I've done have been stretched over like two weeks, mm -hmm. but it sounds like that one was just condensed into a forty eight hour window. And Sounds exhausting. <laughs> I just think it's really cool that they took time to get get together with uh, like it's it's a work with students. Bringing some indie professionals over to work with students is really awesome. Like it's it, it, especially because you know some students are all still like on the fence on where they're going to yeah. to master at. Mm -hmm. uh, so that that was one thing. What else did we have? Anything else? Uh, well, oh. there was Thanksgiving. Uh, so happy oh. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Late, you know. Mm. We didn't do a podcast the week after Thanksgiving because uh, Thursday group didn't meet. Friday group did, but there weren't very many topics that we discussed on. We'll go over go over those a little bit later. Uh, how did the um, the the event you were at go? That's what I was just talking about. Oh yeah, the student event. Oh, and the <laughs> <laughs> I was catching up. It went well. It went okay. Very well. <clears throat> Anything like uh, of points that you took away that you might have not? Um, I mean, it was mostly your, your usual, like, how do you break into the industry kind of panel. Okay. Um, helping students out as much as possible. We did have a surprise guest from Bethesda who uh, we were not informed was coming. So we had to, like, really scramble to make a placard for him and everything. Oh, no. <laughs> but it worked out fine. Awesome. Uh, and uh, he was super helpful and everybody did great. Cool. Cool. Give All us right. that Doug noise. <laughs> well, here's what's going to come up. Okay, so yeah. here's what's coming up next. Upcoming events. Okay, so events that are going on, there aren't any. It is now December, which means uh, pretty much nothing happens in December because of holidays and whatnot. So... People have been announcing what's going to be going on next year. January, about uh, 
mid-January, there's going to be South PAX, mm -hmm. right? South PAX is going to be in San Antonio. Uh, then after that, you're going to see uh, notifications on GDC, which is in March. And then somewhere between there, or maybe a little after, is also South by Southwest. Uh, so you can get, those are all conferences. Some of them are kind of expensive. Some of them are more expensive than the others. Exact, uh, like GDC is often very expensive. Expensive. Yeah, yeah. The game developer conference. It's great to go if it's kind of your, if you're if you're starting to build your network. I think it's a great mm -hmm. place to go, and it's also great to just learn kind of what's going on in the industry. There are tons of different tracks dedicated to every sort of career that you can have in the game industry. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, uh, even I think sometimes they even have talks and just like hiring practices or what to do to add diversity to your crew, right? Okay. So there, there's a lot of things like that going out. Um, so I highly recommend it. They have volunteer positions open. They have scholarships open for you to go. You can even find ways of staying there cheap. Your most expensive is most likely going to be transportation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, in fact, Anim State is running a competition right now for animators. Uh, the top three winners get free passes to GDC. Uh, and also can appear on the AnimX panel, which happens at the Twitch headquarters during GDC. Oh, cool. Sweet. Cool. And that's a week-long event, too. Yes. Uh, some people duck out on Wednesday. Wednesday is usually when the expo opens. Some people just like to come and see the tracks, which happen on the first two days. Wednesday, expo happens, and some people take off. Some more people show up. <laughs> so it's always a great time. Yeah, yeah, I'll take your first caller now. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right. Uh, so, those are events coming up. Let's go ahead and hop into the recap. There is one more event uh, oh, I wanted to mention. Go for it. Uh, in February, the IGDA will host, be hosting its annual uh, winter party. Or, yeah, winter party. Sounds fine. Uh, we'll have, you know, raffle prizes, all that, photo booths. Uh, those are a blast. Game competitions, all that. Yeah. I went for the first time last, I guess, this year, technically. Um, that was a lot of fun. The, yeah, it was a lot of fun last year. A lot of year. really cool giveaways and stuff. And yeah, and we uh, try to bring a lot of uh, indie groups in and work with the uh, Dallas Society of Play and the uh, <clears throat> the A Bunch of Short Guys group to put on the best, uh, best group party gathering we can. So. Sweet. I look forward to it this year. Or next year. I can't even... This, this the, next year? Yeah, the whole, like, this weekend, next weekend argument. I was having that with my wife this weekend. She said something about plans next weekend, but she was talking about, like, two weeks from now. Like, wait, what? Yeah, I think the, the terminology, like, this weekend is supposed to refer to this coming weekend if it is not yet that weekend. Yeah. But that's, how does that work with years? Is it is it this year referring to next year because we're already in this year? All right, so, I'm uh, taking over the talk. <laughs> Let us know. Like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> so how Rebecca, what do you think? I'm I'm thinking that we gotta get this podcast on the way. Uh, <laughs> so next color. So all right, so here's the recap. Recap. We're just gonna go over pretty much all the topics that have been going on for the last two weeks. Sorry. Uh, since we didn't get a chance to talk last week, we're going to talk on just, like, everything that we've gone on so far. Uh, have you guys heard anything about what's been happening at Blizzard recently? 
I hear there's been a lot of drama about Diablo Immortal. Yes. yes. And that Mulligan. has only that that's opened the floodgates. So yeah. real quick recap. No. During BlizzCon this year, uh during one of the reveals, Diablo Immortal was announced. Now a lot of their core hardcore fans super upset and they were even noted as like a couple of people coming up to talk asking it's like is this an April Fool's joke and when they put up the Diablo Immortal trailer people were kind of rushing to that downvoting it making a whole bunch of noise right social mm-hmm. media was just a buzz with all the negative publicity that was going on and then some notes came out from like Activision uh, they were letting their investors know like what's the play since it's coming to the end of you know, the end of the quarter, next year, how is it all going to go down? And there were some things that were noted in these investor notifications where they were saying, oh, we muted the fan stuff. We also, uh, these games is super successful, except Bungie's game. That one didn't do successful. And then Bungie came out and was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was nothing wrong with Destiny. We know what the fans want. We apologize. And our next Destiny is going to be a lot more towards what the fans really liked. Mm -hmm. Right? So, it doesn't stop there, either. Uh, Earlier this year as well, there was a change of guard at Blizzard. So, the president has stepped down. I think he moved into an advisory role. There was a whole bunch of shuffling of some of the uh, old guard as well, people moving into different positions. So, the question was like, well, this is a new era of Blizzard. What's going to be happening? Well, ever since Diablo Immortal and the debacle of that and... Activision, it's not sure if it's Activision or Blizzard. Most people believe it's Activision is like taking down the trailer, putting it back up, deleting negative comments, stuff like that. Well, the founders and a lot of people are now coming out and saying, this is not us. This is 100% Activision's move. Mm. Uh, Especially because they're talking about adding more microtransaction into their games and such. Uh, So people are, so Blizzard's coming out. There's a lot of people at Blizzard that are coming out that are saying, no, 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 it's not us, not us. Uh, this is a 100% Activision move. But there's also, there's a YouTube video that one of our members shared that that's titled Huge Paper Cuts at Blizz... Uh, huge Paper Cuts. Huge Pay Cuts. <laughs> man, this paper cut was so, th- so deep, man. Huge Pay Cuts at Blizzard and Bounder goes off on, on hostile takeover. Uh, that's an interesting... I, didn't, I, knew, I knew Activision... I thought Activision had bought out Blizzard, but... They took it over, like a hostile takeover. Something like that. Uh, I didn't get a chance to watch the video because I had a lot of things going on for this week, uh, for the last few weeks. Um, that's It's just, I, I've been following kind of just like the explosion that it is. And a lot of people are always like, is this the end of a, of a juggernaut, right? It's clearly the change, change. It's a new era entirely. But like, this does not look good for Blizzard. Yeah. Thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't uh, know. I mean, I I played I played Diablo two quite a bit. Uh, I didn't play Diablo three nearly as much. Um, and same with StarCraft. I played the first StarCraft a ton. Didn't play nearly as much StarCraft two. But I do have a lot of friends that are of the diehard like PC gamer Blizzard fans. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, hanging out with with a lot of those type people, like I understand their frustration that the next big announcement is a mobile. A mobile game and it's mm-hmm. that's not really what they want but some people were also saying like it's kind of on the fans behalf it like they shouldn't have exploded like the fans shouldn't have exploded 
they're making Diablo four. Like that, I think somebody was saying like all they had to do was put like a slide, a slide yeah. Diablo four, and yeah. that that would have like negated a lot of the issues that they're having now. PR, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, some of the reactions are, but but I think that's like most news. The reactions tend to be excessive. Yeah. But it, it's like clearly to, it's a, it's more li- looking more and more like Activision is uh, starting to dig the grave. Well, yeah, I don't know. So Activision and Blizzard merged. They didn't quite get taken over, or okay. Blizzard didn't quite get taken over a while back. Um, Activision also merged with Vivendi, didn't, didn't they? Aren't they uh, somehow merged in that way? Um, it wouldn't surprise me if Activision was also then trying to take a controlling share of the Blizzard portion of their group. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's rough. They've had some rough PR to deal with. Yeah. But considering how Battleborn was handled, I'm kind of like, <laughs> you eat what you sow or whatever you say. What is it? You reap what you sow. Yeah. yeah I like the yeah. other way. <laughs> you, you eat what you, what you sow. sow. Good luck with that. You know, yeah. Rotten potatoes. And all. So, okay. Uh, well. So we're going to continue to see just uh, Activision and Blizzard just handle the fallout uh, until they kind of get this under control. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how they pull themselves out. Uh, so we'll just keep an eye on the news stream. And mm-hmm. uh, here, our next one is from Eurogamer.net. Horror game, uh, horror phenomenon Five Nights at Freddy's is getting a AAA game console port. Interesting. I'm kind of done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I thought Five Nights had already kind of it's ran its course. Out of its yeah, yeah. It, it ran its course. Uh, the maker said he's really interested to see what they they're willing to do. It was uh, man, was it earlier this year? I believe not last year that they were talking about doing a movie off of the title as well. That it, yeah, it was they were going to do a movie, a series, a book series came out. So it definitely went to transmedia after that. So yeah. it went to books and and uh, the games. And then they were going to have a movie that was kind of based off of the books and the game. Well, then they didn't have a movie anymore, but now people are saying there's going to be a movie. So I don't know where everything's at. Uh, but the guy himself says, I'm really interested to see what these AAA, what the, this AAA company is going to do with the title, uh, considering. But I feel like they just, they've, they ran the course with this. That mm-hmm. At this point, you're just kind of cashing in on an overworked horse. Yeah. Um, well, I wonder if they're trying to get back to some of their additional... Uh, growth they so five nights was kind of the reason why so many streamers got so big oh yeah yeah and yeah i could see them trying to reclaim attention from those streamers to then get back into the spotlight like Uh, this game studio yeah yeah i mean the news of a a triple a version of five nights yeah i don't mean maybe that would that would bring attention back to the studio and get more or or continue the phenomenon but but it's not scott kaufman who is the maker of it that's gonna be doing it interesting and he's he's like i'm kind of done with the game too but i'll be interested to see how it goes uh yeah five nights is an interesting beast i still see kids playing it once in a while on their phones yeah click team is the name of the developers that will be handling the port okay yeah i'm not familiar with that studio is that a new group yes so okay all right, moving on then. Moving on. Yeah, uh, yeah. The uh, the next one I'm seeing here. So Spyro oh. Reignited Collection has something missing. Actually, it was a 
Yeah. Okay. Spyro reignited. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What did yeah. They say it was missing. Here? So we mentioned that before on the last podcast when, that was Scott. It's uh, the subtitles. Oh yes. Yeah. <laughs> the subtitles were missing. And uh, yeah, I played. I've I've made it all the way to the third game and everything. I've been playing it for like off and on over the last couple of weeks since I bought it. And I gotta say, not having the subtitles for the so it's the first game of the three. It's the first game that has absolutely no subtitles. But the other two have it? Yeah, so the other two do have subtitles. Now, for the most notable thing on the first game is they've gone through all of the dragons and actually given them unique avatars or, mm-hmm. or a unique look, not avatars, unique look. Every single one of them. Well, I guess in the process of that, nobody actually thought, hey, maybe we need subtitles to go along with these new cutscenes. So if there's ever subtitles missing, that's because it's an entirely new cutscene. Uh, it, it's entirely new animations and everything that's going into it. It's not like they report uh, pulling stuff over and screening it. So in some cases, in like the second and third, you won't see any subtitles, but most of the time you'll see them whenever he's getting like a mission or something like that. Uh, people have called, again, I believe this is again Activision as well. People are calling Activision out on it, uh, saying, hey, what happened? You know, this this re- uh, for people that have a hard time hearing, they, they really rely on this. And they come out and say, uh, well, we're trying to say as true to the original game as possible, which meant no subtitles. <laughs> that, see, that's some, some BS to me. Uh, so subtitles, yes, they, they very much benefit the hearing impaired, right? Uh, it's, a lot of gamers, just regardless of, of handicap or not, would still prefer to have them on. I myself always turn them on just yeah. because you know, usually I'm in the middle of playing something. I don't always hear what's happening, so yeah. I want to read what's happening. But... Uh, it's also a key factor in localization. That That is critical for sales in other countries where they can't afford to also have voice acting for every language. Right? Also, not just for, uh, for, for localization, but also for streaming. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. So, so I, I watched a few Let's Players play it before I went and bought the game just to see how it would be. And that was like very noticeable because they have to they have to put down the audio so it doesn't capture the... The uh, what do you call those things? The strikes right, on YouTube. Right. If there's like copyrighted music or mm-hmm. something there, yeah, they'll have to like take out the sound a lot of times, which means you don't have any voice acting often, or you won't have any of this of the noise going on. So those the people rely on that. Or if there's a moment where the streamer is talking through a cutscene, then I rely on those subtitles because I, I don't. Sometimes yeah. the the right, way right. was just talking really dumb. Yeah. Right. And I want to know what's going on with the game. Uh, but I can't because I can't read this. Right, so that not only affects the person playing it, but the people watching the person playing it as well. And then you can't sell a copy of your game in a country that doesn't have any sort of like language, like clearance, so <laughs> clear language yeah. uh, pronunciation or yeah. written. Or this anything. is the the original article is uh, by Game Hit. Right, Game they're the Hit. ones that first broke it, and then everybody's kind of. Off there. They're also the ones that went and got a statement from Activision st- spokesperson. So this is from GamePit. And it, they said, uh, it's an Activision uh, spokesperson goes, when Toys for Bob, which is the name of the studio that did the re- remake, yeah, set out yeah. to make an awesome game collection, they there were certainly decisions that needed to be made throughout the process. The team remained committed to keep the integrity and legacy of Spyro that the fans remembered intact. The game was built from the ground up using a new engine from the team but for the team on Earl 4 and was lit, localized in languages that have not previously been attempted by the studio. 
While there's no industry standard for subtitles, the studio and Activision care about the fans' experience, especially with respects to accessibility for people who with different abilities, and will evaluate going forward. So that's just kind of like, yeah, we know. Sorry. And they don't really say whether or not they're going to release like a patch that fixes mm-hmm. that or not. Mm-hmm. They just kind of left that up in the air. And people are, are obviously calling them out on it. Yeah. Similarly, uh, also Spyro related, and I don't think it's in the channel yet, but uh, that same company, Toys for Bob, mm-hmm. uh, in response to whether or not a Switch version will actually be released, which they originally promised with, with uh, this title when it was first announced, mm-hmm. um, they said they're... They're willing to try, but they're just not sure that it can run on the Switch. Which, to be fair, the work that they've done to make that game... Uh, it's really pretty. Yeah, it's its gorgeous. Um, they really, really brought the visuals up to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it, it'll be interesting to see if they put it on Switch. I almost bought it the other day, and then I realized it wasn't on Switch. And I was like, oh, well, no, I'm not going <laughs> to. But right. that's just me. Yeah. <laughs> All right, next one up here is from the ringer.com. It is how the West, uh, I, I don't like this article at all, but it's how the West was woke, Red Dead Redemption 2, and games, gaming's Iron Curtain. I, I, don't, I don't really like this article a lot um, for two reasons. One is pulling, it's pulling in a lot of politics that just surround games, mm-hmm. kind of capitalizing on, like, are games too violent? Should you be allowed to do these sorts of things? And I feel like they're trying to make a, a statement here. Uh, they, they bring up Gamergate and stuff like that. But again, these are like old things that have happened. People have moved on from that, but they're still kind of... That's what I felt like they're trying to do in this article. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's it's just a lot of what they're... It's just the same old thing. Games are violent. And the overall question that the article itself is asking is, should you be allowed to do very specific things in games that are violent? So they called out the uh, the... YouTuber that beat up the feminists in the game. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they called that out. They called out some other <clears throat> other games that have done some some stuff similar, and that's kind of where the article just leaves it at. It doesn't give a definitive. Here's how it should be, or anything like that. It's just saying games are violent, and we should police them better. Uh, we should not allow some things to happen. I don't agree with that. I don't agree with it in a lot of ways, but. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't like the article. Well, so I, I've been reading in here mm-hmm. um, over our last couple segments. Uh, they, you know, they bring up a lot of, lot of other things. It seems less, to me, it seems less like they're just trying to say like, oh, here's these issues. We, you know, it's one way or another. Mm-hmm. It seems to be more pointing out how these kind of games are bringing up these topics that are making the game discussion as polarizing as the political discussion here in the U.S., mm-hmm. right? Uh, like there's so many people who are, who don't care about these you know, social issues and people representing that in games or, or being frustrated that those are not represented in games. And there's a bunch of people who have issues with it because, uh, for ex- exactly the reasons you pointed out, mm-hmm. uh, that there's just a lot of unfortunate things in here. You know, some games are too violent or, yeah. you know, misrepresentation of people. Yeah, but it also, it just, it, when it points to some games, that it just kind of reminds me of the trailer that, I forgot what it was. It was like the violent, the violence in video games trailer that somebody put together and was shown to Congress that didn't actually show that the real. It just took a lot of things out of con- out of context. Yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. I yeah. mean, it also points out a, a 
particular moment in the game. So you you play as as the cowboy, right? The oh yeah, cowboy. the yeah, the, the, the Ku Klux Klan thing. Yeah, yeah. So you can come across the KKK in that game, and mm-hmm. they they're kind of like bumbling idiots and light themselves on fire or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. so some player recorded themselves bringing a the same one that did the um, a black character in game an NPC. The- and brought them to the KKK to see what they would do. And nothing changes, nothing happens. They just still light themselves on fire and it's whatever. Mm-hmm. So a lot of apparently a lot of people are lashing onto that as an argument like, oh well, Rockstar is trying to push their political agenda. Like, wow, well, KKK is bad. Well, duh, the KKK is bad. <laughs> what do you want to happen? I don't know if you guys remember uh, or if you guys had seen it. Oh, man, what was that game that has like? This is this is going to be helpful. It's the one with is it Wolfenstein the mm-hmm, Nazi mm-hmm. one, right? When the new Wolfenstein came came out, like uh, white supremacists and stuff, uh, white white supremacists and other were like, I feel attack. Like they were like relating to the Nazis in the right, game and right. stuff, and people were like, Well, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, duh. Of course you are because they're bad guys. And mm-hmm. uh, so it was just, I, I see that a lot. Um, so yeah. I just, I feel like the article could have done better. Like, we did better giving the points than, than I felt like this article did. <laughs> yeah, I feel like the article kind of bumbled around. Yeah, that that was yeah. my main problem with this particular article. You uh, are a bad guy. But that does not mean that you, you have to be a bad guy. Uh, there's another one that talks, uh, there's another article by GameIndustry.biz, which is, again, talking about concerns about Activision's influence on Blizzard. We're not going to get into that because we just did. Um, but yeah, that's still going. Recently departed employees point to executive personal change, personnel change, and pressure to keep costs down. Um, so those are those are things that are that are happening. Uh, next one is another article from GameIndustry.biz. <laughs> Hold on, furry erotica game. Furry erotica game data breach exposes four hundred eleven thousand users. Four hundred eleven thousand. Names and addresses for subscribers to games featuring sexualized anthropomorphic animals posted online. That's the summary for this. Uh, So yeah, there was a breach, and and it's this is just it's like one screen of information. Leave the furries alone. (laughs) It's just that's it for the article. But it's just kind of like here here's uh, the database of nearly half a million subscribers to a erotica game has been stolen, made public on a popular hacking forum. Uh, the developer High Hytel, it's either Hytel Hotel Studios. Like, they changed the the, but then they refer to the the studios later on as Hytel Hall Studios. So I'm not sure which which is the right studio name there. Yeah. Uh, have announced on on its website yesterday after it was alerted by the breach by have been password founder Tony Hunt. Wait, it's a furry thing. It's a furry thing. Are you sure it's not Hytel Hole Studios? Hole. Yeah, I don't know. It's really bad. <laughs> the breach <laughs> happened in August, but was only just discovered this week, which was oh, I need a November. I crack in, there. in November. I'm just moving on. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Ray. You guys are exactly how like the guys at work are too. Like I, oh, this is how I am with them too. They'll joke around. They'll get kind of crude. I'm like, moving on. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. We got to We got to plow through a lot of a lot of stuff. So All you're right. right. Next up, we have, oh, okay, I know we banned the discussion of loot boxes a lot. Oh, um, here it comes. Crack open. And we said we'd only come back to this topic only if there was some new movement or change in it. Uh, so the newest 
thing that comes out is Federal Trade Commission has agreed to do invest has agreed to investigate loot boxes. This is from Engadget.com. So there was a senator in particular that's kind of leading this movement. Movement. Uh, the senator Maggie Hassan, I okay. believe, is from North Carolina. I want to say filed bankruptcy after spending her entire fortune. On loot boxes, I hope is where this is going. No, no, no. She's Absolutely. just a senator that was elected recently. <laughs> I was about to say I don't know any senator that's ever declared bankruptcy. Uh, th- wasn't she the? I could be very wrong here, but mm-hmm. uh, if she was the first um, Muslim senator to ever be elected in the U.S., right? Mm, I don't uh, know. Uh, there was there was some uh, big steps forward on that in the recent election. New Hampshire. New Hampshire. Okay. That's where she's okay. from. New Hampshire, Senator Maggie Hassan. Now, she has been uh, kind of this year popping in and out. Uh, she she contacted the ERC, ERC, ESRB, who are the ones mm-hmm. that are put up like... Right, the ratings. Entertainment Software Rating Board? Yeah, rating boards. Uh, they, agreed, <clears throat> that's, they agreed to start adding to labels, in-game transactions, so people would know, mm-hmm. uh, loot boxes and such. But she's still been hammering on, on this as well. And now has approached the Federal Trade Commission, and they have agreed. Now, to note some things out of that, uh, there's also a video in this article uh, where she's questioning it. Uh, to, the biggest thing to note is uh, there have been countries that have outright banned it or labeled loot boxes as gambling, Belgium being one of the most noticeable one. Because of that, Square Enix has removed like three mobile game titles from, from Belgium. Uh, the Netherlands have also blocked loot boxes, while China and Japan have moved to regulate them. Uh, so this is all going on, on in there. Uh, some state legislations, along with gambling regulators in Europe and the Australia's, Australian Senate, are looking into the practice. Right? You know, this also is another one of those uh, Activision things, too, that kind of sparked this. Yeah. All right? yeah. So <clears throat> what was it? Uh, Battlefront? No, that was EA. No, no, it was an Activision game that that okay. really got called into, into. I know, I know, EA's Battlefront Two had a lot of problems. No, no, uh, but it Activision was a Star had Wars. one as well. Was, huh? it, was is EA, EA the one that did the Star Wars? Yes, game? EA does the Star Wars games. So EA one, I thought it was Activision. My bad. They sometimes they, the, both of those companies are in the news so often. Yeah, <laughs> this is true. <laughs> That you can't, and, then, and, it, and sometimes there's like one right after the other, like one person did it, and yeah. then the, it's, like, it's like one company did it, and then like the other one kind of follows suit. And it's like, did you not see what happened to the last one? Or back, back and forth. Also, I want to clarify, I was very wrong. Uh, Maggie Hassan is not the uh, the Muslim senator that was elected this past cycle. Uh, was that, was a, that is a different senator. I'm still looking up her name. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, so... Yeah, um, things that were pointed out in this article cited a UK gambling commission report from earlier this month indicating that 31% of 11 to 16-year-olds have open loot boxes. I think there's also a study going on right now to look at gambling addiction in uh, youths, and, and they're using, I believe they're using loot boxes. I'm going to have to find that up, I, but I saw I saw something like that come across my dashboard. I pay a lot of attention to white papers and stuff like that going on, and so... I'll have to look into that, but I, I believe there was a study that was going on. It might just be that study that I'm thinking of. And, and that's just like the report didn't state whether those children had bought them with money or earned them through in-game activity. And that's another thing. A lot of times loot boxes are, you, it's like physical cash. So yeah. it's not like you can grind 50 hours and, and get money and get in-game currency to buy it. You have to use car, 
you know, hard-earned cash to buy these things. Uh, so that, that's what's going on in the loot box discussion. It's going to be, I know I keep saying this a lot, but it, it's, I think out of this year alone, there's just been a lot of interesting incidents that have been happening that have kind of put the game industry in, in the spotlight, yeah. right? And they're not all good. It's, it's a shame that it's a lot of negative things that have brought people's attention to it, and I really wish that wasn't the case. Yeah. Alrighty. Uh, next on here, again, more controversy. Bethesda apologizes for Fallout 76. Uh, they had... Now, if you pre-ordered... If you bought the collector edition of the game, you could get this really awesome... You can get this really awesome uh, power helmet. Mm-hmm. Right, mm-hmm. and they also were advertising that you get a uh, what canvas. was it? canvas bag. Yeah, and the bag's supposed to be able to fit the power helmet, right? The power armor. Helmet. Yeah, what people received instead was a nylon bag. Yeah, and so that really, of course, took the fan base off. There mm-hmm. was people that reached out to Bethesda and was like, "Hey, this wasn't what I was told I was going to be getting. This is not what was advertised at all. Am I going to get a refund now?" <laughs> The thing that came out of that, uh, so somebody sh- shared a tweet mm-hmm. that they had contacted support and the support agent had said, yeah, you're just not going to get this back. Yeah, it's they said happening. something like, uh, it was we, like, it, oh, it turned out to be too expensive to produce and we're not planning on doing anything about it. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. That's the sum of it, right? We we understand and respect that there is disappointment with the bag and the power armor. We're sorry, right? But mm-hmm. we're not going to be mm-hmm. doing, we're not going to do it. So Bethesda itself has come out and said, hold up. First of all, not really true. That agent that told you that was a contractor. They're not even a part of the uh, part of it. They're completely wrong. Uh, but then they kind of also go on to say, um, uh, when they say unavailable materials, surely they mean unavailable materials are at a price. Oh, man, I was reading it a second ago. Yeah. What's interesting oh, is it turned it is. out that all those canvas bags ended up being sent to streamers and influencers right. instead, rather oh, than the people who bought the collector's edition. That's frustrating. And then oh, to yeah. pad people who got the nylon bag, they gave them like 500 in-game credits, which cool. turned out to be nothing. You couldn't even buy the in-game ca- canvas bag with that much credits. <laughs> yeah. Label your materials correctly, people. Yeah. yeah. That, like, that frustrates me so much. If I, because I'm allergic to polyester. So if I go to buy something that's 100% cotton and it shows up 50 50 poly, I'm pissed. Oh, yeah. So I absolutely would Also, be. on this note, before we fully wor- wor- go off it, uh, this is from comicbooks.com. They're talking about how uh, this, this says Fallout 76 concerns prompt law firm to in- investigate Bethesda for deceptive trade pa- practices. Yes. And it's not just the bag stuff. Uh, also, because their engine isn't like built around the multiplayer game, they have some major leaks. Uh, you can, while you are playing online, uh, if somebody connects to your computer during that time, they can just straight up take packets that are being set that are not encrypted or any of that and take all of your information. So for for uh, some of our listeners, can you can you explain what these leaks mean? Like what it, what do you mean by leaked? Is it like a memory leak or something like that? Uh, so, so let's kind of break this down into what encryption is first mm-hmm. off. Uh, one of the core things that games, online games, do is they they take all the data and essentially scramble it uh, so that it cannot be taken elsewhere and uh, reinterpreted into the original source data. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, in order to do that, you need to have the exact encryption key that's associated with the data that was scrambled. 
So an encrypted item is uh, as secure as you can possibly get with digital content, right? Mm -hmm. um, so any online game worth their salt encrypts their, encrypts their data to protect the users. Mm -hmm. With Fallout 76, they are not doing this at all. So any of your data that is being sent through the game can be taken, unscrambled, and read. In fact, they don't even need to unscramble it because it's just out there yeah. ready for anybody to read. Right. So this can be potentially very dangerous to consumers. Uh, it might lead into a backdoor into your computer systems. Uh, now, I don't know for certain if that's how or what you can use with it, but because I'm not, I'm not some you know mm -hmm. black hat hacker. Yeah. But uh, that is that is definitely problematic. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, in 2018, like it's the. Oh, I can't even pronounce this law firm's name. You want to take a stab at it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah let's so do it. Migliaccio. And. And uh, and Rathod LLP. Yeah, yeah. Migliaccio and Rathod LLP. Is a law firm based out of Washington, D.C. that's said to be investigating the developers according to the post on the law firm's blog. And so, woof. Yeah, they are they're in some, uh, some hot Major water. Major hot water launched. But that said, congratulations for releasing a new title. All my friends who worked on that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, because even shipping a title is hard. So congrats, you guys. I wish you the best of luck. Especially fixing all those items. Uh, moving on yes. from that for now, uh, Fortnite officially hit 200 million registered users. Yes, wait a minute, I skipped one. There is one. There. Oh, we can go. We can we'll come back. back up. Yeah, uh, yeah. So Fortnite hit 200 million registered users. That is insanity. Now that doesn't mean like concurrent playing users, mm -hmm. but that is still a huge number. It's what two thirds the population of United States. Something like that, yeah. I think we're at 300 million. Is that true? I haven't, I haven't looked up those numbers. You know, they said it was, what, 7 billion on the planet so many years ago? It's probably much higher now, but that's still, like, what, 150th of the world? Yeah, that's... <laughs> Jeez. A lot of people. That's a lot of people flossing. Dancing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Uh, wow, okay. Most um, of them played. And that was from Gamma Sutra. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that better approach from Gamma Sutra. We have one from C.net. It is Seth Rogen's Console Wars show pits Sega against Nintendo. Yeah, blast processing versus uh, superpower is the, the quote that I heard. Uh, you know, Sega's thing with, with the Genesis was blast processing. It can make Sonic go faster. I guess, I don't know. I was hardly alive during that time. I, um, I mean, I, I, I did not own a Genesis. Oh, it's until... not out yet. It's an upcoming show. Yes, yes. Sorry, you were saying. I didn't own a Genesis until I was in my twenties. Uh, mm. When I was a kid, all my friends had Sega Genesis, but I had Super Nintendo, and I still, I have, I think, four Super Nintendos now. I love my Super Nintendo. I did, have since bought a Sega Genesis, uh, but I, I still only have. Sonic. That's, yeah, that's all yeah. we got for it. So. Sonic. Uh, oh, it's going to be based off of that. that That'll be interesting. A Seth Rogen show, uh, Seth Rogen driving the, the console war uh, arguments between older consoles. No, no, no. <coughs> if you go and read the thing, so there was a book published in 2014 called Console War, Sega, Nintendo, and the Battle That Defined mm -hmm. a Generation. 
Yeah, uh, so yeah. Seth Rogen uh, and his buddy Evan Goldberg, who's a producer, is going to be the producer on this, uh, mentioned that they're going to be turning that book into a film, and now they're working on a limited TV series called Console Wars. No, no network is yet confirmed. And that, right, that's right. just, that's the sum of that article. Um, <clears throat> so it's in progress. Right. It's going to be in, I got to change, I got to find a new phrase. Uh, but I, I'm kind of, I don't know. Uh, there's a, shoot, what was it? I think Game Theory had, had done a series that was like console wars, putting like some games or consoles against each other. It's like, be like Matt Pat, he did, it was like 4-1 and then he had somebody argue for the other one. Yeah. And, and I think they actually did do like a Sega versus Nintendo on that one. Um, I don't know. What new arguments are you going to bring to this? I haven't read the book. I mean, Super Nintendo had, had more colors and I think more notes could be played simultaneously. So. Yeah, so it wins. No, no, I don't, I don't care. Sega Genesis, Sega are you talking about the one that had the uh, the cartridge? Because my the one yeah. that I grew up with, I had the CD and the cartridge. Oh, yeah. Uh, what was that? So they had uh, Saturn? Dreamcast no, and Saturn. It was, a, it was it, on the thing, it says Sega Genesis. Okay. Oh, so yeah, Sega CD was an attachment to this. That's right. Mine yes. came as one piece. Oh, that's cool. That's pretty sweet. That, that's what I had, and uh, I'll never forget it. I spent many a days playing uh, Android Assault. <laughs> Android Assault, the Revi- Revenge of Briarm. Uh, it's it's a very obscure title that I, I've, I've learned that not a whole lot of people know about it, especially mm-hmm. those that, that have had had been in the site. You have played with Sega Genesis. Like, not everybody knows that that title. I don't even know where we got it. I think we might have bought it when I lived on Guam. Because that that was a, I li- when I li- when PlayStation One came out, I lived on Guam. Okay. Nintendo sixty four, PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned this before. I'm a military brat, so a lot of the like the like the early console wars that were happening, I was uh, I was not around Somewhere in the else? states yeah. to see yeah, see a lot of that. Uh, it was brutal. Yeah, video games were just kind of new. PlayStation came out and had Crash Bandicoot running around and bad-mouthing Nintendo like right there in the commercials. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, man, old commercials for the console wars were brutal. Yeah. Uh, I remember... I just remember Sega. going to like the, the Navy Exchange and walking in and there was just like all of a sudden this, there was this little white box and a wall of games that you, you could get. And we got Spyro... It was mm-hmm. the first game that we got. Spyro, Jack and Daxter, Sly Cooper. Yeah. We, I never played Crash See, this Bandicoot. is how they indoctrinate children into the Sony fan base. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nintendo wasn't out there. <laughs> no, Which I'm is sure. weird because Guam was close by. It's like a an hour and a half flight from, from Japan to Guam. Interesting. And we had tons of tourists. So it's kind of weird that Nintendo wasn't a huge hit. Uh, but it could just be like what whatever was the trade agreement for for the Navy Exchange, it could just be whatever product they, they decided yeah, to carry. Yeah. It also might just be a, it might have been a um, interseas product uh, placement stuff. I don't know. Nintendo was still growing then. Sony had already had a firm foothold yeah, all over the that. world. I, I mean, uh, I definitely knew knew kids that had the that Nintendo sixty four. Like there were some that had it, yeah, it was like Cadillac or you had the site uh, the PlayStation. I collect all the all the consoles. I, 
console addict. So that's my roommate. As a collector, how do you feel about those multiple in one consoles? Like for all the older cartridge ones, you could have like an NES slot, an SNES slot, a Genesis slot, and all that. Um, it depends. Uh, I mean, they still a lot of them have the same problems when you play them on modern TVs, which mm -hmm. is like the when the graphics go to be upscaled, um, you end up with like some pretty bad lag. So for any platforming games you play on those, like there there are a couple of um, other companies that make like reference quality ones. Like uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Analog, the company Analog. Yeah, uh, yeah. The, I've got their Analog NT that plays the NES. Famicom. Does games. that improve the upscaling so that yeah. it doesn't have that input lag? Yeah, it takes care of all that for you so there's nice. like zero lag when you play them. So. How does that compare with like the NES Classic or the SNES Classic? Or I have not used um, my, well, I'm trying to think now. I've got my S, I, I don't have an NES Classic. Um, the only one I've played, I don't even remember what kind of TV I played it on, but I do have an SNES Classic um, that I'm playing just on a small like 1080 like maybe a 19 inch computer monitor and yeah, I, haven't, yeah. I haven't experienced any lag in that so nice um, it seems to handle just fine excuse me sorry but the analog NT and the analog super NT are both like, amazing I've been I've been super pleased with those yeah I've been hearing the super NT is pretty good uh, and then what else uh, da, da, da. yeah I was going to ask if you have a, an old CRT I do I have two those older consoles. I have two CRTs <laughs> man because I have a problem <laughs> Jeez, sorry. Well, we'll move on to our next topic here. Uh, this is from uh, Kotaku, Kotaku.com. Chinese game site censors Winnie the Pooh in Kingdom Hearts 3. Now, the reason why this is happening is because the current Chinese leader is often referred to as Winnie the Pooh, and it's done in a jokey manner. Uh, so there's somebody was showing a tweet. There's a tweet in there that shows a comparison of the guy standing next to uh, Obama, and then uh, right next to that, a picture of Pooh and Tigger. Yeah, and they're in like the exact same poses, like yeah, Tigger and Obama both, and Winnie yeah, the Pooh and Xi Jinping. So <laughs> the site funny. itself, uh, there's a lot of, it, it, this article also pointed out that when uh, the, the Christopher Robin movie came out, that, that, was, that didn't get released in China because of Winnie, people think it's Winnie the Pooh. That that's the right. reason why. But a lot of Chinese sites will either not show anything if they're if they're reporting on Kingdom Hearts three, they don't show anything of Winnie the Pooh. This particular site showed it or either censored it in some sort of way to keep that up there. Uh, there is reportedly a game, a Kingdom Hearts three version for China being made, but. Whether or not it's going to have Winnie the Pooh in there, that's that remains. It'll to be probably seen. be censored out because it's like a huge crackdown all over right now. Like, I wonder with their social, their social uh, credit system, system that yeah. they've got oh, yeah. starting up over there. I wonder how many points you lose every time you post Winnie the Pooh. So that that's the thing to know. If you, if you guys haven't been followed, what's been going on in China? China has put in a social credit system. Uh, essentially, they're monitoring their citizens and they're giving them points for every time they do something that is in favor of the, of the country. And if they do anything that no, that the country doesn't agree with, they receive negative score. Uh, the first day that it was implemented, now it had been gathering, they'd been gathering information on their citizens for years. So the first day that this was implemented, millions of people were blacks, blacklisted from flying. Mm -hmm. uh, so... Mm -hmm. I can see why. Like, if you're if you're part of a site and you're reporting on this, 
even if it's like one person writing it and they put it up there, because a lot of times these uh, these these uh, game review sites, they'll have a lot of people on staff, but the writers will have to edit and post their own. And there's not a whole lot. There's not always a whole lot of oversight on on the whole editing team or who the writers are doing. So sometimes they'll just post it. And then if you, there's an article that that the overall company doesn't really agree with, they might pull it down and mention, hey, we put this article up. We're sorry about that. And we've seen instances yeah. of that in the past. Yeah. Um, so in this case, it very well could be like one person is reporting on it. He posts it up without the whole overall company knowing about it. The all and everybody in that company could end up with a negative score because yep. of it. Yep. Right. Downloaded that that could be country. a case. Yeah. yeah. Well, what's interesting about that that social uh, credit thing is that it's all public, right? Yeah. And so, and it's it, it, it can hard. like drive social circles because people with high high social credit don't want to be associating with people with low social credit because that will then lower your own social credit. Yeah. So it's like, it's like Black Mirror coming <laughs> to life. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people put it to Black Mirror. I see a lot like high school where you know you hang out like the popular kids are like, right. well, don't talk to the weird kid, and if you talk to the weird kid, you get out. Right. Try, Imagine yeah. if that was affecting your credit. Oh, if high man. school was your credit score. Oh, man. They Jeez. just had a public posting of everybody's rank, uh, like, <laughs> yeah. score-wise. The, <laughs> like, yeah, the Chinese site is called AG, A9VG, and they were recently covering Kingdom Hearts 2 and decided to remove one thing, which was Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's a thing on there. There's uh, this next one. We've got two more left. Um, this next one after this... Uh, this is another game industry.biz. Starbreeze management ordered to cut costs after poor sales of Overkill's The Walking Dead. First off, what is that game? Uh, that is a different Walking Dead property from the Telltale series. Okay. It is not the same series. Okay. Um, the AMC, the people who own the rights to The Walking Dead show, mm-hmm. they have licensed out multiple different Walking Dead games. There was you know, one by uh, Terminal Reality here in Dallas. Mm-hmm. There's, of course, the Telltale one. There's a couple others out there. This is just one of those games that they have contracted out. Okay. So to <laughs> note in this one, us, they, uh, going down, it says a significant factor in Starbreeze struggles and over is... Um, its initial sales were lower than expected, and the $10 million license fee for, from 505 games for the console version will not be recognized as revenue until the end of quarter four. Oh, okay. Thing to know is that they release their um, their financial results for this year. Starbreeze released the, their financial results, in which it posted $11.3 million pre-tax loss. $11.3 million loss. Right, right. Which sparked uh, pretty much the overseers of of um, of Starbreeze, which uh, Starbreeze is a studio, and then there's there are people that are kind of investing into it um, that have come out and, and told their management, "You need to figure this out, right? Uh, you need to you need to. There's something wrong. They're they're saying there's something wrong with your core business if you're reporting 11.3 million loss." Yeah. And we talked about this when we we're when we we're going about like talking about what was happening with my company and its and its failings. Right. And that was like a thing. Like I had to review my own core business and how to save it. They're having to go through this exact thing. So it looks here like they hired a temporary. Yeah. So this efforts will be led by current CFO Sebastian uh, Ashlakov. 
although this is only temporary until a new acting CFO has been hired. So this guy looks like he's a part-timer or a fractional CFO, which is okay. A fractional CFO or a fractional C-suite positions are when uh, companies hire on, they don't have enough money or they need a quick fix, so they'll hire on a part-timer to solve the solution until they can get a full-timer. Okay. Right, or until this, until they can afford to get a full-time position. So this is a, a part-time CFO. Is a, it's not a bad move, especially if they're having this problem. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, well, I'm just worried that this might lead to uh, some downsizing. Um, and oh, most definitely it will. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it probably will early on lead to some minor downsizing. Hopefully it doesn't lead to a studio closure. They're yeah. out in L.A., which is already a cutthroat area. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully, you know, I, I wish the best for, for Starbreeze. Uh, actually, I have some friends who went over there. So good luck, guys. So a uh, thing to say here, the chairman, Michael Hathorne, reminded, remain optimistic, <clears throat> saying in a statement, we have a base to work with in regards to the number of games sold. We have a pulse of concurrent players, which is essential to the future performance within the framework of our games as a service concept. The team is working at full capacity to deliver improvements to the game and new content in season two will be starting soon. Mm -hmm. um, so he's remaining optimistic, but like you said, uh, there's I I I I feel like there's gonna be some major cuts in personnel just to like bring down the costs. It sounds like their overhead is pretty high. Yeah, um, they do a lot of contract accounts as well, which is another, LA runs. Yeah, and then another yeah, which also is a thing. But another thing that it notes here is like to license the title. They had to buy it, right. right? So in order for them to do any kind of Walking Dead, they have to buy the rights to do it. They have to license that. This is something that Tall Tales also had to do, right? So right. keep these things in mind. Like the overhead for gains is expensive. Um, so yeah, we'll we'll see how this goes. Just making a Sonic yeah. fan game. No, <laughs> no. Just even kidding. even then. If Sega decided to come out and yeah. say, no, 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 you can't yeah. do this, then, then a Sonic fan game wouldn't be possible. Yeah, we had somebody came to was presenting oh. a Sonic fan game at, at a DSOP event. Were you there the night that? No? no. Oh. Yeah, somebody was making a Sonic fighting game at and presented it at a DSOP event. Oh, yeah, no, you were telling us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Said yeah. That, so looking up the uh, Starbreezes, the, or Overkills, The Walking Dead, mm -hmm. uh, <clears throat> Apparently, this just came out hours ago. Uh, Starbreeze just filed for reconstruction to avoid bankruptcy uh, after that. And their that CEO way. resigned as well. But that's, this is, so, you see, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. <laughs> there, there's things here that people don't often realize when you're doing business within games. Right, especially if you're working off an existing property. There's, yeah. there's added layers and if you were just creating a game from the ground up. Right, and going back and talking on, on just fan games, fan games walk a very thin yeah. line. Mm -hmm. If he was going out and he was asking for money and help to build that game, then you can bet there's yeah. going to be some huge problems with that, especially if he hasn't licensed the right to use that character. Right, So if fan games walk a very thin line. Yeah. But this is not the only game that that studio's worked on. They're mm -hmm. most famous for uh, Payday and Payday 2 if you've seen or played those games. Uh, they were cooperative shooters that were centered around uh, robbing a bank. And you play as the guys robbing the bank. And it was a team-based, cooperative experience. It was a lot of fun. Actually, very good games. Um, so, very unfortunate to see this happening to another studio. Yep. Yep. A reorg, huh? I, I, I can feel that. 
that's that's something that I'm considering too. <laughs> uh, okay, next up is from the Throut Throut Throut.com says Microsoft. As I bring it up, Microsoft's building a diskless Xbox One for release in 2019. That's hmm. <laughs> I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. And that's a huge. So we we. I feel like there has been a bigger and bigger push to take everything more digital. Yeah. And, but in the process of doing, I mean, no, it doesn't really change much. Uh, it's just the idea of between owning it, the digital rights versus owning yeah. it as a physical form. Right, For a lot right. of people, is if you own it as a physical form, you can take it back to like GameStop or wherever you bought it and trade it in. Right, right. The, games just have the, the games, the games, the games, yeah. Some people just like having a tactile collection, but I definitely see the appeal of and the convenience, right, right. Of, especially if it makes it cheaper to buy the hardware for the mm, Xbox. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, I uh, I was also very concerned when the PS4 Pro launched without a 4K Blu-ray player. Sony is like the pioneer in a lot of that tech, so I was very disappointed to find that out. So that's the only reason I own an Xbox One S is just for the 4K Blu-ray player. Gotcha. Will not be in the Scarlet family, is what they were saying. Oh, there were more. There was more details on Scarlet. We'll have to save that for another, another episode, uh, and to like learn a little bit about that. Um, but yeah, this is kind of interesting. Me, I don't actually buy physical games anymore. Uh, I prefer to have the digital, just because I don't like clutter. Uh, as, as especially as I've grown older, grown older, like my roommates are very materialistic and I'm the complete opposite. So they're like, I gotta get the, get, get the latest stuff on this, and I'm just like, why? I don't need it. Yeah. So for me, this would actually work really well because I mean, my Xbox is getting kind of old. It's about four or five years old now, which is usually when they start having problems. So I'll probably be looking to like get either a new Xbox or a new system entirely, and I won't be buying CDs for it. I don't have yeah. any need for them. Um, so I'm down with with moving it, with removing it, like you said, especially if it makes it cheaper. Yeah, yeah, yeah that that would make it more accessible for a lot of uh, a yeah. lot of other users. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned Scarlet. For those who aren't aware, Scarlet oh, yeah. is uh, Microsoft's uh, supposed streaming version of the Xbox. Yep. yep. <clears throat> which uh, we haven't seen functional yet. It'll be yeah. interesting to see how it works. We're probably going to start seeing about. <laughs> I, I can see them doing something, maybe. Mm-hmm. At GDC, maybe see them. I can see them doing it, showing off a little bit of Scarlet here and there. We'll probably see a lot, lot of it of their that, whatever they're doing with that system, in E3. Uh, I can see that happening this this coming year is when they'll probably start. Yeah, the that. rumor is that we won't see that console till twenty twenty. That makes but sense. But I could see them talking about it at E3 this yeah. year and kind to of showing it off. Yeah, to get the hype going mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. Uh, There's also continual rumors about the PS5, the PlayStation 5. Yeah. Uh, Sony showed off a Gran Turismo 6, I think, uh, running at like 8K at 120 frames a second. Now, that doesn't mean that the console can do that, but they, you know, some people were saying, oh, well, this con- that might be the PS5 running yeah. that. You know, I doubt that. But <clears throat> it be interesting to see what Sony does. Uh, especially considering they are not showing anything at E3 this year. So, so yeah. weird. Yeah, for 2019, Sony is, is stepping out. And a lot of people are pointing back to, like, it's it, ooh, it. They messed up this year at E3. Just, like, how they did everything. Shuffling shuffling <clears throat> people around. It was noted that 
because they were moving people between different venues depending on what mm-hmm. the game was. I think if you were, were uh, for Last of Us, everybody they kind of moved into like this tent that was kind of stylized, be like, like right, it comes right. out of game it, right? And in the process of that shuffle, one person experienced a heart attack. They, then the, just their game announcements this year were incredibly underwhelming. Um, I disagree. I felt they had a very strong show. Uh, however, having that like thirty-minute pause in yeah. between the Last of Us video and then the rest of the show was annoying. Watching it on stream, right? Yeah, that really? wasn't that wasn't great planning. That yeah. wasn't a great event planning. <laughs> in any it's so weird to watch this transition of like E3, what it was when when we were kids, and and what it's kind of becoming. Because Nintendo dropped out what three years ago now. I mean, they still just have one of their streaming services during E3, but yeah, they haven't had an actual like a presence at E3. Yeah. It's uh, so weird. Tetris is getting okay. So our next article here, I was trying to read through it really quickly because uh, it's got a lot going on here. It's from Engadget.com. It says, Tetris Effect is therapy for distracted, anxious minds. Uh, <laughs> it asks a couple of questions here. Um, I'm just going to read the beginning of this article because it's kind of funny. It says, can a video game be more than just a game? Can it train you to, to focus, to disassociate yourself from traumatic memories and heal your mind? Can it transcend your personal experience and bridge a geopolitical divide? These aren't just ridiculous claims from a marketer's fever dream. One video game has done all of this before, reaching hundreds of millions of players, Tetris. And it's back again just when the world needs it most. <laughs> Sell off your dime bags. Guys, we have we have Tetris. Yeah. I Oh, man. It's it's Tetris with glitter on it. I, Tetris I, Effect. Yeah. It, the game is called Tetris Effect. It's, uh, it's a VR Tetris that just throws a bunch of, like, literal effects and, pol- and uh, uh, what is it, particle effects and stuff in your face. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like it's it's a very big VR gimmick. Yeah, I mean, I I like Tetris personally, but but what I've seen and heard, it it, it just sounds like gimmicky Tetris. Yeah, know. yeah, I don't know. But Tetris is still pretty big in like arcades and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it'll do well. Uh, I don't know about you, but when you were working at UPS, did you ever have to live in the cars? Um, a couple times, yes. That was not my normal job, but yeah. Yeah, well, I was a loader. Yeah. Preload. Uh, so it means, like, in the mornings at, like, 3 a.m., I'd get up and go load all the little package cars. And I'd often say that this was making me the best Tetris player yeah. in the Because that's what it is. You had to figure out how to stick 2,000 boxes on a car that can only hold maybe 700. Yeah. Right? And you very much ended up doing a whole Tetris moment on there. Uh, so... You have to do it in, like, order, right? Of Like, last stop first and into, like, first stop? Well, the the way that the cars are built out and don't... The, uh, if they have, like, beginning of days at the front, last is at the end. I think they should reverse it because it would be a little bit easier on the drivers. Um, but they you go like that. Everything is done numerically, one through, one through I think, eight or nine. Mm. And then you have, like, your rear door stops and everything. So every you had to load that all up. Right? But if you couldn't fit it on the shelves or the packages were too big, then you had to fit, put it under the shelves. If you couldn't do that, then you had to put it in the aisle. Uh, as peak season rolls around, those cars, like n- during the normal Aging. year, it's about, you get maybe 400 on, on a car up to about maybe 1,000 on it if they're going into extremely res- heavy residential areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, for But at the end of the year, like all cars called them to, we rent out, the, like we were renting out stuff to like big bulk vans and stuff. 
I loaded pretty much any kind of car that they brought to me, even like the the trailers that you would hitch on from like U-Haul. We rented from U-Haul and you had to stack stuff in there. Uh, so yeah, a lot of times uh, the thing that that I've mentioned in this is like players, the people that play a lot of Tetris will like look, will, like look, they're spending yeah. their day in the real world. They'll look at things and they're like, man, I could fit it like this, yeah. right? And that was very much how I felt when I was coming out of, yeah. Out of UPS, uh, UPS. So like I'm looking at the cars and, and everything, and I'm seeing the boxes, like bagging <laughs> groceries when I was 14. Oh, was there you go. Similar thing, like okay, oh, yeah, got was... all the cold stuff separate from the soft stuff, separate from the heavy can stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that was same. I I did I bagged groceries. Um, that was one of my first jobs. Yeah. I, I was living in Spain at the time, and it was one of the first only jobs that I could get. <laughs> As a recent graduate from high school. It's fun to like get it all. When somebody's getting like $400 worth of groceries to get all nice and tidy in the basket. Yeah, and if if like the cars are super small, you got to figure out how to get it into the back of the car without like (laughs) crushing everything. I had something similar doing stocking at Fry's Electronics. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here in town and back in Austin. Uh, Yeah, the stocking back there is is ridiculous. Oh, I bet. God, yeah. (laughs) It is definitely Tetris. Uh, that's pretty much it for the news articles today, right? Well, there's a lot going on in here, but um, I think I'm going to save this a little for uh, for our next show because it's got a lot of just. It, it's not just about Tetris. This article yeah. is actually talking about the the mental uh, mental stuff it does to you. So I want to read this a little bit more and kind of bring that back to us. But yeah, we're kind of we we caught up on just about all of uh, everything that we've talked about, uh, <laughs> and we made a lot of stances today. Yeah, KKK is bad. Yes, Nazis are bad. Uh, power stance is the best kendo stance. Yeah, I think. <laughs> mislabeling materials is bad. But what else did we, did we ream people for? Um, uh, oh, managing your company. Yeah, you, know, you gotta, you've got to be aware of what goes into just the business of games. Like mm-hmm. you can't. It's mm-hmm. not just. It's not art. It's not just art and programming. There's more to it, and you got to be aware of it. Um, oh, and I want to I want to look into Article Thirteen. Hmm. Um, that's a new thing that's going to be happening in if it, if it goes live in Europe, it's going to change the entire face of how things are done. What is Article Thirteen? Article Thirteen is uh, the beginning. It, it's Europe's answer to intellectual properties and the and who owners it okay. owns okay. it. And uh, I don't know a whole lot on it, but if it does go live, any let's play anybody in Europe that's a let's player or anything like that. They they may be out of the job because uh, and and YouTube has already come out and talked on it as well, saying that if it if it goes live, YouTube would have to like suspend services because uh, the article the article so far as I know will force those that are housing that content. If you do not own the rights, you will have to pay the person that does. Well, Nintendo's will, been fighting this for years. They right? will put. I don't, I'm not too sure just yet. Okay. Um, the but YouTube had said like if you put that strain on us we would not be able to afford that you're asking us to go out there and pay every single person who's ever had any kind of content that if it's if it's utilizing somebody else's kind of content like like um, let's players do you know it's over yeah like, that's that's unsustainable and then that's on top of everything that's going on with the GDPR. Uh, Great data, um, general data protection regulation. That's that just went live this year, yeah. right? That's on top of that. Um, so next episode, I want to kind of talk on that a little bit more. Right. Uh, also, this is a bit of a show. Uh, this is a uh, next week. We're also going to have a guest. 
Okay, uh, Russell great. Fitch from, is that how you say his name? Russell from Dallas Society of Play is going to be here. Uh, see, he's agreed to come on the podcast. I've been trying to get him on for a while. Uh, so I'm super excited. I want He's going to be talking about Sickhead Games as well as Dallas Society of Play. Uh, so I'm super excited about that. Russell's great, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's, he's phenomenal. <laughs> and I, I definitely want to talk to him about, um, like, what does he have to go through on his, because mm-hmm. he, his company does a lot of ports. Mm-hmm. Um, so what does he have to do? I know he has uh, contracts with Sony and stuff, but like if, if they have to have special licenses and stuff like that, I, I definitely want to know kind of that. Um, so yeah, keep an eye out. Uh, we'll have this episode. Hopefully we'll be going live. <laughs> right. Do we want to briefly touch on uh, what happened on the Thursday and Friday meetups before we sign off here? Thursday and Friday, we just did. Yeah. Oh, oh. oh okay. So all those topics oh, were covered oh, then, too? Oh, yeah, okay. all those. All those was uh, we didn't do right. shout-outs, though? Uh, yeah, yes, no. That's what we're going into now is our shout-outs. Uh, so, of course, as always, thank you to Nirvana. They have been phenomenal allowing us to continue to use this space, as well as provide us with awesome coffee. So they've been great in allowing us to host our, our group here. We're normally in the back. Uh, in the back corner with all the games so it's been mm-hmm. they've been awesome about that who else do we have uh trey hodge mm-hmm. our editor-in-chief mm-hmm. thank you very much sir as always thank you i'm working and really hard to to make this podcast sound great i know the last episode was a little bit rough we had five people around a one mic setup uh, but we tried our very best we're definitely gonna have to look <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going to try to fix some of these things in the coming year. So. Yeah, yeah, but definitely for sure. But Trey has been amazing trying to keep us on track and, and make us sound incredible. Mm-hmm. Anyone else we're missing? Anwar. What has he been doing for us, Daniel? He's been getting our podcast posted to like a million different streaming mm-hmm. channels, as I understand it. Yeah. Heck, yes, he has. And yeah. he's been killing it. Yeah. He's so. also to been paying attention. Like if there's a, an issue with the podcast or one of the episodes, he's quick to mention it, pull it down, put it back up once we fix the issue. So he's been doing a great job. So thank you to him 100% for being Ooh. there for us. He is the key to our checks and balances. <laughs> <laughs> and comes up with names if we fail to. Right. This yeah. is true. He yes. has. He has. I, ooh. We didn't even think of what a name would be. So we'll leave it to Anwar for this one to see what he's going to come up with. I always find he has some like really good, interesting names that he pulls out. Uh, How so, about Xi Jinping? Who? Xi, Xi Jinping is the Chinese president. Oh, so. okay. Xi Thank Xi you for looking somewhat like Winnie the Pooh. No, I wasn't trying to shout out to him. I meant like that could be the title of the episode. But <laughs> you didn't give me no context. Thanks, thanks, Xi Jinping. And now we've just taken a communist stance. Oh, no. No, no, no. no, no. Thank you. I don't know. Thank you for sparking the news article. I don't know. Uh, oof, oof. Oh, man. So we're not. I'm 100% not. <laughs> yeah, maybe we shouldn't title it that. Uh, please don't. Uh, okay, alrighty. If you would like to join us at one of our physical locations, we are every Thursday and Friday. Thursday, we're at the Whole Foods on Runner Road. Fridays, we're here at Nirvana. Both clubs start at 8 a.m. Or if you can't make it out during the mornings, we do have an evening event that is the last Tuesday of every month. It's our open beer club. We house that at Brain Dead Burbing in downtown Dallas or Deep Elm specifically. And if you can't make it to any of our physical locations at all, that's okay. You're more than welcome to keep up with our podcast or join us on our Discord or Facebook. Both of them are titled BGOCC. Or you can hit us up to get a link or just tell us in the, in the Facebook group. All right, y'all. Have a great one. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.